0: Uh, good afternoon everyone. I'm uh, Ashwin Shilweikar, CITI's uh, Global Head of Fintech Research and we're on the last open session of a very strong day two of CITI's uh, 11th annual Fintech conference. Glad you're with us. Uh, one logistical note before we start this session. Uh, for investors who want to ask questions, uh, you'll see a box next to your screen. Just type uh, your questions in. I can get him. I can... Uh, uh, I can loop them in into my own questions and so on. Uh, with that, let's get started. So next up, we have Mastercard. From Mastercard, we have Craig Wasburg, who is the uh, Chief Product Officer. Um, Craig, welcome, and it's it's great to see you again.
1: Thanks, Ashwin. Great to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot, a lot has changed for you since the last time. This group. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm going to start with uh, with the investor day. Um, last week, uh, you know, Michael Meibach talked about three key strategic priorities for for Mastercard, and I, I just feel like it's worth uh, revisiting them and discuss the priorities, why they're important.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. As you mentioned, we we hosted an investor investment community meeting last week and uh, spent a lot of time talking about our strategy and and uh, really framing that around the evolution of our strategy that has for many years been centered on growing our core business, diversifying into uh, new areas to diversify our revenue streams and building new businesses. And that served us really well over the course of the last decade or so and enabled us to continue to drive growth in our payments business and develop and launch a number of value added services, businesses that are now meaningful contributors, very important contributors to our overall revenue. And build out uh, businesses in new areas. And as we thought about how we're going to take the business forward uh, to continue to drive that growth and continue to have a good means of anchoring and centering our attention, articulating our priorities, that's evolved now into uh, I think a more discrete focus within each of those areas. So uh, that's revolving around payments uh, and you know growing the core with a focus on payments diversification with a focus on our value-added services business, and building new businesses with a focus on embracing new networks. Uh, And each of those we think has really attractive growth potential for us going forward. Uh, Payments is obviously at the core, at the center of what we do, and we see a lot of runway for growth both in our core consumer to merchant uh, purchase transaction activity as well as a number of new flows uh, that I'd love to talk about today continuing to build out and expand our value-added services and, and embracing new networks where where we have adjacent opportunities where we can leverage our capability and our experience in managing a, uh, a two-sided multilateral network in areas like digital identity and, and open banking. Right,
0: right, and at the, at the event, and we will get into some of the stuff we talked about in detail. At the event, uh, Mastercard also provided sort of global market sizing figures. Identified a subset of the flow that Mastercard is pursuing. So, can you talk about the opportunity, the specific flow?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. And that—that's really what's at the core of the focus on uh, payments, the first pillar of that uh, and that strategy. And and. Uh, And really, I should mention, each of those pillars really reinforces each other as well. They're very complementary, and there's a lot of synergies between the three. If we look initially at at payments specifically, uh, and we look at the overall addressable opportunity that we have before us at $255 trillion in payments flows, uh, that's a broad range of opportunity that's really become addressable as we've invested significantly over these last handful of years to broaden our capabilities to be able to intermediate payments beyond our card rails, which we, we continue to love and nurture and see lots of ongoing growth uh, coming from, but uh, but diversifying into other payments capability as well, related to real-time payments and account-to-account payments and push payments and blockchain and things like that. And so with that, that addressable opportunities has, uh, has, has been and remains quite significant. We, shared last week a focus on five particular categories, uh, which in the aggregate represent 115 trillion of that 255 trillion that are really driving our strategy. And that's the focus on consumer to merchant purchase transactions, what you can think of as our core cards business, where we see ongoing and significant growth potential, Uh, 37 trillion in addressable flows there, The second is with respect to remittances and disbursements that we see as a $32 trillion opportunity that uh, we're pursuing through MasterCard send and our cross-border services capabilities. A third area is in commercial carded uh, commercial transactions at the point of sale, which are, uh, are carded 14 trillion in opportunity there. B2B accounts, payment flows, another 24 trillion. And finally consumer bill payments that we see as an $8 trillion opportunity for us. And, those are the five areas that are really anchoring our payment strategy as we go forward, and we see each of them as representing really significant potential for growth and and uh, uh, and, and ongoing you know revenue growth for MasterCard. Great,
0: great. Um, uh, that's you know actually a really good framework to to, to dive into. So maybe let's start with uh, with kind of the base, like the consumer uh, purchase part uh, part of it what what is your strategy to continue driving growth in in, in core payments you know i know in the yeah. past we've talked about you know acceptance growth um, acceleration of digital things like that but could you talk about those as well as new cases
1: yeah i'd be happy to uh you know we've seen a uh ongoing acceleration of the trends the migration towards digital payments that's accelerated throughout the course of the pandemic uh, as our lives became increasingly dependent on digital means of interaction of digital means of communication uh, and on digital means of, of, uh, of commerce and, and transacting uh, and so there's there's some a really attractive I think uh, ongoing, secular opportunity here that uh, the forces that we've seen at play literally for decades that have accelerated over the course of the last 18 months. And we see opportunities to continue accelerating in part driven by those changes in consumer behavior, many of which we see as being very sticky. Uh, and, you know, as people have learned how to transact and and and, uh, and engage in commerce digitally uh, in new ways, there's virtually there's almost nothing you can't buy now through digital transaction. And, uh, and in many cases it's, it's more convenient and, and, uh, is going to remain very appealing to consumers but beyond that consumer behavior driven acceleration. There are some things that we're focusing on to, uh, to increase our own uh, growth in these spaces and, and continue to build out the breadth and the power of our network. One of which you mentioned is acceptance. Uh, the, the breadth and, and reach of MasterCard's Merchant Acceptance Network is without question one of our most important strategic assets as a company. We, we now have more than 80 million merchants around the world, merchant locations that accept MasterCard. That's, that's more than doubled in the last five years, growing 14, 15% on a compound annual growth rate, increased by 19% in the last year as more merchants uh, found the need to be able to, to uh, diversify their own channels uh, for selling and, and uh, had a, a higher propensity to start accepting uh, uh, MasterCard payment products. And so continuing to lean into that trend, which is also being driven by new technologies, uh, more and more markets, including here in the U.S., embracing contactless as a, as a form of uh, initiating a payment new technologies that are enabling literally any connected device, any mobile phone to become an acceptance device through our tap on phone acceptance capability. That's potentially literally billions of new acceptance devices around the world that can be enabled to accept a contactless card through the touch of the card to the phone. So that's an important uh, trend that's continuing to drive growth in our core cards business, uh, the, the things related to uh, digital, uh, leaning into digital and the increasing digitization. And with that, uh, incorporating MasterCard capabilities, things like tokenization and the, the increasing proliferation of, of tokens to enhance security, to improve the consumer experience with lifecycle management. We're now processing over a billion tokenized transactions per month. You know, that's in, in a handful of years since tokens were introduced into the mainstream, that's enabled and unlocked a whole, whole new range of digital commerce opportunities and has done so in ways that are safe and secure and convenient for consumers. Uh, our digital first issuance programs, uh, things that we're working on uh, with a number of our partners in geographies around the world that are enabling payment credentials to be issued digitally uh, Im- effectively immediately upon application and approval. Uh, in some cases only digitally, in other cases with a physical companion card at the consumer's choice. But these kinds of things have also fueled a third pillar of that growth strategy, and that's driving close partnerships with uh, with fintechs, with digital partners who are increasingly uh, on the cutting edge of delivering these consumer experiences that are attracting consumers to uh commerce experiences that are that are changing behavior and just accelerating that migration so it's kind of a self-reinforcing cycle that we see uh and one that we remain really excited about in terms of the growth potential it has for mastercard
0: right right if i can just come come back to you know a couple of these points and it's it's frankly impressive you know to have at this stage of the game, you know, fifteen percent Kager on acceptance, growth, for example, right? Which of the areas that you kind of laid out gives you more of that? Is it the tap on phone versus you know cloud commerce? Cloud? Where do you see more, um, more traction, so to speak?
1: Yeah, I think it's the breadth of of, uh, of things. It's not one in particular that I would point to. I think certainly over the course of the last 18 months, uh, since we've been you know, living with the pandemic, we've seen clearly an increased importance on the part of literally any business to be able to diversify their channels and reach customers through digital means, to be able to sell online through mobile devices, et cetera. And so there's been a catalyst on this on the part of businesses, particularly small businesses, to join the digital payments revolution, in many cases as a a necessary means of survival to ensure that they're still able to generate revenue at a time when customers were physically unable to visit their stores or interact with their establishment. So that's one, there's a a whole uh, range of of, uh, new technologies and technology enablers, partners that we work with across the ecosystem that are making cards acceptance available more broadly to a wider range of, uh, of businesses through, in many cases, uh, new technologies that are lower cost than traditional acceptance technologies. That's opened up the prospect of accepting cards for payment to a, a wide variety of new, uh, of new merchants, you know whether that's through a dongle, whether that's through a QR code, a variety of ways to uh, do that, both in developed and in emerging markets around the world. Uh, as well as the kinds of technologies I referred to, you know, um, upgrades of terminals to enable contactless upgrades of terminals to incorporate chip security that has that has embedded more functionality in traditional terminals, as well as new technologies like, uh, like tap on phone and tap on phone is it's, it's getting, we have meaningful numbers of deployments, but it's at its early stages of deployment and, that's a pretty exciting technology when you think about literally any, any device that's capable of communicating and any device that's capable of reading a, uh, uh, you know, a contactless card can be enabled to accept card payments. That's a lot of reach when you think about that. So that's a trend that uh, we see, you know, we're excited about that and see that continuing for some time. Okay, okay. Not- that, by the way, that doesn't even include things like connected devices, internet of things, you think about your car, you think about your house, you think about appliances. All these devices are gonna be enabled, uh, You know, when you, th- when you combine that with the power of something like 5G technology that's being introduced in markets around the world, the number of uh, connected devices and the ability to effectively establish an internet session between any of these devices creates the ability for all of them to transact. So we see that just continuing to grow
0: absolutely no we have uh, we have a, a, a embedded finance conversation happening uh, on the last day of our conference so certainly that's a fascinating area too um like uh, your favorite topic in mine, as we we know is bnpl um so let's uh, let's talk about that and uh, this is an area uh, you know that really um, has been gained traction from the consumer standpoint has gained a lot of interest from the investor standpoint um and there's a lot happening here as well um and what you guys announced with mastercard installment was very interesting um it just introduced that, that second element to 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 primarily what used to be like the lead generation, merchant conversation. Um, could you talk more about MasterCard installments, providers, you know, the, the, the recent update and, and uh, how do you view the risk from closely? Yeah,
1: uh, I'd be happy to. Uh, MasterCard installments we introduced, I guess, just about a month ago uh, as an addition to our suite of buy now, pay later capabilities. We had previously offered the ability for our Partners, principally issuers, to uh, to uh, offer installment capabilities through card products uh, through a set of APIs that we've developed and made available to them, and a number of issuers are are using that. Mastercard Installments is a fundamentally different proposition in as much uh, in a couple of ways. One is it's not uh, the, the lending device is not a card product; it's a consumer loan. The lender is not an issuer per se, it's a lender, uh, any lender uh, who wants to participate in the program. And we've actually expanded uh, and added a a new participant in the context of our franchise framework uh, to to, uh, enable lenders who are non-issuers to participate in the program, whether that's a bank, whether that's a fintech, whether that's a digital wallet. It could be one of the buy now, pay later, uh, pure plays who would like to take advantage of MasterCard installments to extend their reach. And so the beauty of the program in our view is that there's real value in it for everyone in the ecosystem. It For the consumer, it's providing the ability to access more buy now, pay later functionality. And, and clearly this is a concept that's resonating with consumers. They like it and they're using it. Uh, so to be able to access a wider variety of buy now, pay later uh uh, offers through a wider range of lenders uh, and to be able to use that at any merchant where MasterCard is accepted any of our 83 million merchant locations around the world and to be able to do that with the protections that come with a masterCard branded transaction zero liability chargeback rights etc things consumers have come to expect for masterCard uh, so it's a great proposition there for the merchants there's no Effort required on their part to be able to participate. If you're a Mastercard accepting merchant, uh, you're you're basically eligible to be in the program, and uh, th- there's no tech integration, there's no additional contracting or sort of bilateral agreement that needs to be entered into. So they're getting access to this significantly increased pool of purchasing power uh, with little effort and. We've seen the impact that the buy now pay later offers have on increasing merchant conversion rates and increasing uh, ticket sizes for the lenders. Of course, it gives them an opportunity to meet the needs of their consumers that are are attracted to this proposition and to do it at scale across the full breadth of the MasterCard network. Uh, And to do so by the way, in differentiated ways, leveraging the power, for example, of our open banking capabilities, to incorporate with consumer consent, transactional banking data to enhance their ability to underwrite a loan and uh, and extend the appropriate credit on the appropriate terms to a consumer based not just on a credit score but on their cash flow and their uh, their demonstrated you know financial uh, uh, capability. So uh, we're excited about the program. We've had a tremendous level of interest from our partners, uh, of all types, merchants, lenders, fintechs, uh, the buy now, pay later players. And, uh, and we're excited for that to officially launch, uh, early next year. And we'll look to, uh, extend that into, into new markets with a number of new partners as the year progresses in 22. The closed loop question that you raised, look, we, we always are on the, have our eyes open, I think, uh, looking out for the, uh, the risk of closed-loop models, we, we believe in the power of open-loop models and in the reach and the scale uh, that, that our open-loop network provides payments, in our view, for payments to be successful, any payment product to be successful, it needs to be ubiquitous. Consumers don't want to have to pick and choose when and how they can use it. They want to be able to use it whenever and wherever they want to. And so there are some inherent limitations in that respect to closed loop networks. That, you know, that being said, we don't take that for granted. We continue to invest in our acceptance network and some of the things I addressed in the last question around the growth in acceptance is an important part of that and continuing to grow that acceptance network and extend that reach for the benefit of all of our network participants, uh, you know, merchants, lenders, consumers alike is uh, is and will remain an important priority, but we're also talking to players in who have you know closed loop models about ways in which they can take advantage of and leverage our open loop acceptance capability to have greater scale and reach of their proposition, and you know not spend too much effort signing up new merchants, focus on consumers and delivering a great experience to their consumer.
0: So, okay, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Um, uh, this is a kind of a follow-up question. Uh, you you kind of are going to launch in the UK and Western Europe, I think in 2022, Australia, um, you know, well, um if, from your experience with, uh, buy now, pay later, do you anticipate sort of differentiated response? Uh, do these consumers in different parts of the world, Look for different things from from the product, or is it always about just that convenience factor and and, uh, and the you know the digital footprint and so on?
1: Yeah, our, our launch markets are the U.S., the U.K., and Australia. Uh, so that's where we'll launch first. I think consumers are are fairly consistent in terms of they what they've come to expect uh, in this increasingly digital world in which we live. They you know they expect convenience they expect ubiquity when it comes to payments they expect security they expect a great consumer experience uh, uh, and you know I, I think I think from that perspective you know the the ways in which the product will be successful in the different markets working with partners local partners who have established relationships with those consumers you uh, Will will lead us down a path to uh, to being able to grow that and be successful. There are some nuances with geographies that maybe have more to do with, uh, you know, the the regulatory environment and consumer protections. For example, uh, agencies that are that are appropriately protecting the interests of consumers, and and that's been an area where some questions have been raised in various geographies about buy now, buy now, pay later programs. This is where we feel like. The incorporation of open banking capabilities to improve the underwriting decision and have it really be based on a deeper insight into a consumer's ability to repay is, a, uh, is an important addition to this value proposition and an important way to make sure consumers are getting access to credit. Getting access to credit is a, is a good thing and it helps improve the quality of people's lives, but getting access to the right amount of credit under the right terms.
0: Right, right. Um, I, I was gonna ask about open banking next, but you know, you mentioned new payment flows, so let me flip flip the order in which I was gonna talk about it. Um, could you, uh, you know, how do you think about these these new flows, the opportunity there? What's the framework that you use uh, to to pursue yeah. them?
1: Yeah, the new flows uh, this back to what some of the things we talked about last week at our investor day. These are the new flows in the areas of remittances and disbursements, carded uh, commercial transactions at the point of sale, B2B accounts payable and consumer bill payments. We, we see all of these as really uh, attractive and long term uh, opportunities for growth for MasterCard, each of which we're approaching in, you know, with a roughly similar frame. Uh, because they're new flows, they're incremental in most cases, not all, but incremental in terms of what we were able to address uh, when we were uh, limited to our card rails. And so an important part of this is establishing broader reach with payments capability across a broader broader range of of, uh, infrastructure to be able to intermediate payments in a broader range of geographies and then enable our partners to connect to them uh, seamlessly through a single connection to MasterCard, target specific use cases uh, within each of those major flows, align a series of value-added services with those, and then engage with our B2B partners as we as we uh, traditionally do to enable distribution and ultimately drive adoption and, uh, and growth uh, to drive revenue. Uh, for us so that's the approach we're following we're at somewhat different stages and with in somewhat different configurations of assets and capabilities and in some cases different markets where we are uh focusing and and active with each of those new flows but all areas that we're investing in and uh and enthusiastic about how they'll contribute to our growth going forward
0: Not, not sure what happened I think I might have cut out um but you're talking about new flows and I, I I heard most of the answer um the the, the question I, I kind of have for you on the on the new flows front is you know obviously more traditional ways of doing these have existed for a long time some of the partners that you have are traditional partners when I kind of think of uh um, a, a Western Union or a um, or, or thing. So in, in terms of just the, the the interplay that you have with traditional players with actors that are trying to do the same thing, um, do you bring different capabilities depending on who the partner is, or is it more or less you know I mean is it does it become a bespoke type offering uh, or or is it a standardized sort of offering? If that makes
1: sense. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's uh, it's very consistent with our business overall where we we're very proud of having a partnership orientation and focusing on, Understanding the needs of our partners, the objectives of the partner, uh, their business, their strategy, where they are, and, and in some cases, you know how they want to compete. In some cases, where they are in their own development cycle and what they're ready for now versus what they may be ready for at some stage in the future, and then tailoring uh, the you know the, the suite of capabilities and services and assets that we. To engage with that partner to help them <laughs> achieve their objectives, and in the process help us grow our business and, and drive revenue growth as well. And so, you know that, that takes on a variety of of, uh, of shapes, even within very, you know, you know, very consistent parts of the business. Even with something in our core business, something like a co-brand program with one partner may look very different from a co-brand with another partner. The same is true and when we look at remittances and disbursements with working, you know, working with a a bank that may have an international footprint versus a bank that has a domestic only footprint versus a fintech uh, that has a very different set of customers and a customer proposition versus someone like a Western Union, since you, you referenced them in the question, who has some capabilities of their own in that space that are very relevant. And in fact, very additive to what we do. Each of those, you know, in order to really optimize the opportunity, given their footprint, given their capabilities, given the customer segments they serve, the geographies that they're in, the particular flows they may be targeting, their own economic models, we engage with each in uh, in unique ways. Uh, you know, leveraging that that the, the capabilities we have, and we can leverage them broadly enough. To, uh, to be able to drive growth at scale, uh, but in ways that are aligned with the partner's individual circumstances, as opposed to a plain vanilla offering. Got it, got it.
0: And if I was to dive into, say one of the bigger pieces, B2B account table flow, right? Um, it's obviously a huge opportunity. You, you had uh, a track in there as a startup, as a, as a where two cards of course been there for a while. Um, you know, supply chain financing. I, can you sort of drill down a little bit more into your specific approach to capture B2B accounts payable flows?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it starts with uh, with uh, the premise that uh, establishing a two-sided open loop B2B payments network will uh, enhance the utility and increase value for buyers and suppliers in terms of being able to uh, increase the efficiency of payments, uh, increase the efficiency of their uh, invoicing and, and, uh, and, and payments management processes, use it as a mechanism to inject new sources of value like supply chain financing that you alluded to. And so, Building out that two-sided open loop B2B payments network, uh, again, I mean, it does harken back a little bit to your earlier question about closed loop networks. There are some, you know, some successful closed loop B2B payments networks that, you know, they're limited in terms of their opportunity to intermediate payments based on participation in that network on both sides, those create opportunities to connect to a a broader open loop network, serve a broader range of buyers and suppliers. Uh, And that's what we're in the process of building out. And with an initial focus on the U S the UK, the UAE, signing up partners, B2B partners who are representing on the buyer side, uh, you know, buyers and and, and suppliers and helping us make the connections based on supplier payment preferences, based on uh, their agreed terms and conditions, based on things like opportunities to increase the adoption and usage of virtual cards as as an early sort of use case, but to extend that into other account to account based payments flows to introduce value added services like supply chain financing that we announced recently through our partnership with Demica. Particularly to benefit smaller and, and medium sized suppliers who have less less access to uh, to credit and uh, and short term financing vehicles and 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 therefore uh, can serve as a powerful incentive for them to engage and benefit from participating in this in this network.
0: Right, right. Do you, do you care, for example, virtual cards versus account to account uh, in this in this particular area, or are you not? We're
1: we're focusing on building this out in ways where where we have multiple uh, multiple avenues to monetize participation uh, uh, for us, and in some cases that may come through the payment itself. If there's a card product, it uh, we'll we'll see card economics. In some cases, it could be through uh, intermediating a payment through another of our capabilities, through uh, through cross border services, or or even Mastercard Send through a real a time rail. There, there will in many, but not all of those cases, be opportunities for us to monetize the, that portion of that payments flow, but then there's value added services and capabilities like the supply chain financing piece. So we're building out, uh, I'd say a, a broader array of being able to ensure that as the ecosystem is, is uh, experiencing the value of this two-sided payments network, Mastercard is also uh, benefiting from that through uh, incremental revenue drivers.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, you know, we're, as 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 always happens, we're running out of uh, out of time. Uh, even though I probably want to only three three and a half of my seven questions or eight questions, but you know, do you, uh, thirty to sixty seconds, perhaps. You know, uh, uh, wrap up on in your view. Uh, biggest opportunities and risks for MasterCard? What should investors
1: be thinking? Yeah, I, I think it comes back to where we started and it's driving growth in our, in our, uh, in our payments business, both through the core where we see on growing opportunities to drive growth in our cards business, but also increasingly contributions that we'll see from these new payments flows that will be incremental areas of, uh, of participation for us and incremental drivers of revenue. It's continuing to expand our our portfolio of value-added services that complement and help differentiate our core payments capabilities, but also drive their own discrete revenue streams for us, and then uh, building out these new networks. And, And we didn't get to go into them in as much detail as I would have liked to, but we're really excited about what open banking holds for us in the future and the position that we're establishing for MasterCard and open banking and the prospect of digital identity, Uh, and the complementarity really between all all three of those areas. So uh, we think in the aggregate, that provides a really nice and extended runway for ongoing growth for MasterCard.
0: Yeah, now we didn't get to everything, but still a fantastic conversation, great insights. Craig, thank you very much. um, I appreciate flexibility with your schedule to make this happen. Yeah.
1: Thanks Ashwin, good to see you again.